0: Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Today we're talking about South America and specifically Chile. Chile is famous for the diversity from deserts to rainforests to mountains, but with so much diversity, the question becomes, where should I go? There's just so many options. Here to help us is Sebastian Huang from Andes Viva, a boutique Chilean tour operator. Hi, Sebastian. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Richard. Thank you very much for having me here. And I hope I can help you with all the questions you have.
0: I'm sure you can. I'm interested. You're, you're German, but you're in Chile. How did that happen because it's probably not, not as common, or it's probably not very common at all. No, maybe not. Well, I have a long history
1: with Chile. Um, I, I studied here in Chile at, sometimes. I married a Chilean woman <laughs> and I got back to Germany and went back to Chile. And my history with Chile is like more than 10 years long. So um, and one day I decided really to live here um, because it's, it's, it's so beautiful country and what makes it so special for me and because i decided personally to 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 live here in the south of chile is here are not so many people if you compare it to germany um in germany we live are living like 80 millions of people and here only 70 to 18 18 million so um but the country is bigger than germany and you have exceptional nature here this was
0: one of the main I decided to live here in the south of Chile and that, that kind of leads into my first question is a lot of a lot of people look at South America as kind of one big you know country where it's all very similar um, having traveled in Chile and other countries in in South America I feel Chile is different but I struggle to explain why it's different from Argentina or Peru or Ecuador or maybe more obviously why it's different from Brazil but but why do you think Chile is is different from other similar countries in in South America. Well, if you look at uh,
1: the map of Latin America, it's obvious because it's so different. It's um, long and narrow. And in this really geographically special place, uh, you can have so many nice and individual experiences that you maybe cannot have in this space in other countries in Latin America. It's always a point of view, a personally point of view. But I also love the people of Chile. I think it's a really nice country to spend much time, much time. In. So not only vacation, but maybe a longer time to to get out of the of the normal life, uh, European life, for example. To tell it like this, maybe for me it's so special because it's uh, close to to the European culture. It's not so far away from the thinking of European people, maybe. And it's it's easy to live here for, for a European point of view.
0: Uh, yeah, and I think it's probably also, it's easy to travel. You know, everything works very, very well, as you'd expect. Uh, uh, I remember somebody once told me, uh, it's the Switzerland of South America. I don't know if, is, is Chile still referred to that kind of, you know, very orderly and, you know, relatively uh, prosperous and, and, institutions and things just kind of work in chile yes i i think it's
1: still valid to say something like this um maybe it's from the point of view of the economy and um, the chilean economy is like the example in latin america for us for a stable economy for stable politics if you want, want to see it like this the last 10 15 20 years were really successful from the economy point of view. And also like like epic events like the pandemic couldn't change this. So um I think in general the country don't suffer so much like other countries in Latin America when you see it like this uh, there are no there are not so much social troubles for example um like like in Ecuador at the moment or like in Peru. For because of this it makes It's a safe country to, a really safe country to to travel.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you talked earlier just about, you know, Chile is interesting. It just goes all the way down the Pacific Ocean. And there's so much diversity. As someone who spent more than 10 years living there, can you maybe talk about how Chilenos view the country from, you know, are there different regions that you kind of think of the country? It's always funny to talk with the Chilean people, how they see their
1: the, the own country um, there was i don't know if it's if it if it's actually on the television um, still there was an, a show a program that was called Santiago is not Chile um because Chile is a really centralized country it's like France there is Paris and there are some not so important cities um, and it's the same like in Chile so there is Santiago the metropolitan area where like 80% of the population lives, yeah, or 60%, I think it's nearly 80%, yeah. And it's so centralized that many people don't know um, th- their own country. So you can find many Chilean that don't know the south, that don't know the north, um, and this is, makes it really special and funny to talk to the Chilean people also. Yeah, Chile is like really long, it's like four thousand kilometers long with like I think it's 16 regions and every region is different yeah and this is really interesting and uh, makes
0: it so special. And then thinking of those regions what are some of the you know the most popular regions that you know tourists might you know consider going to or that are you know investing in tourism infrastructure that you know people might have heard of or if they haven't heard of could be great destinations for them if they're looking for uh, uh, for a holiday in Chile.
1: I think you can split up the regions into three parts. There's the north um, and the the central part where the, the main city Santiago is, and the south. Most people know Chile for the famous south, Patagonia or Torres del Paine, then the famous national park that is like internationally known. But there's also this 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 famous space, open space in the north, the Atacama desert, um, the Altiplano, for example, like to the frontier of Ecuador and Peru. Um, I think these are like the three main parts to for people that want to know Chile. Yeah.
0: So I'm interested, let's start with uh, Atacama and the Altiplano. I've never been there, but I've actually heard people just rave about the power of the region There's just something that is, you know, really human about it. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, you look at the photos and think, well, it looks really interesting. But again and again, people talk about the power. But, you know, for people that have never been there, haven't seen photos, what's it like up in in the Atacama?
1: In the Atacama Desert, there is a really famous city. It's called San Pedro de Atacama. It's the city where all the people, all the tourists go at first um there is an airport in Calama it's near the San Pedro de Atacama and from there the people start to uh, experience the north of Chile so from this little town you can go further to the north and um, you can camp inside the desert for example um i think there are some some special things about the north at first it's the 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 nature of course it's you 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 will not see something like this in other countries or in other parts of the world um the desert is is impressionante you say in spanish you it's like it's famous for the the starry skies in the night for the meteorite falls you can see there for the light um but on the other part like you mentioned it it's famous for the energy there is like um, a special kind of energy a strange and and ancient energy that you can feel there when you see this structure this natural by the nature made structured of stones of sand of of volcanic activities also Um, you can deep dive into this this energy, this ancient energy, because there are like some old tribes or um, indigenous people tribes um, of the Aymaras and the Atacameños um, that will, when you go to these people and talk to them, they will explain what this feeling, this energy means. These people connect you really to the nature of the north of Chile. So. Um, when you go to the north i recommend also to take like uh, trips with indigenous people um, because they can really connect you with this special energy that many people tell exists
0: yeah and it, it sounds you know we're we're sitting here talking about there's a special energy and some people might think what, what do you mean there's a special energy but i was just in wadi rum the desert uh, in the south of jordan and it just hit me like I was you know, punched in the face. There was just something about that place, the tranquility, the way things looked, that there was this you know, strong power. And actually, that's when one of their uh, travelers I was with started talking about Atacama and how there was, I guess there's some way they could even measure the energy. I don't know if it was electromagnetic or something, but they've actually found a way to measure the energy. And there's a certain place in the Atacama that, that she said is the, you know, the highest, uh, highest measure they have in the world. And, uh, I'm totally conscious. It sounds like this doesn't exist, but I've experienced, and I've heard so many people talk about this, uh, when on their trip to the Atacama that it is, it's kind of incredible. If you haven't experienced this, there actually is something, I don't know. Does everyone experience this? Do you think, or is this just certain people? Like when you talk to people, does everyone kind of say that, say they experience this kind of this energy, this, you know, sense of fulfillment in the Atacama?
1: I think it depends on the person that is traveling to this area, because and it, it depends much on what you want to to feel, what you want to experience. You can go there and only take some night shot photography, for example, and have a, have a nice time. There are many people who, um, who go there and make party, um, for example, in San Pedro de Atacama. There's a famous spot for for youth, for the for the young people to go there also. Um, I think it depends it depends what the what the person has for a personal background maybe Um, i'm like a more spiritual person and when i look at things i i really can go inside this kind of energy i i don't know if you can really feel it in the in the body but 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 maybe when you when you think about um, like a meditative moment and you take the time to look at these things and to try to feel it then, yes, then you can feel it there, yeah, but maybe it's not only connected to the north of the of the of the country what there are so many magical moments you can have here also in the south, for example, um by only observing the nature, the different kind of nature that you can have here,
0: and before we come to the south, I just wanna just ask one last question, so if somebody's coming to Chile for the first time. I've always been told you've got to go to the Atacama. you got to add that on to your trip because it is so powerful. But how many days do you think, you know, your first time there, is this something you go for two or three days or do you recommend people go longer?
1: I think it's a good start, like at least two or three days because um, it's not only San Pedro de Atacama and like one trip to the desert, but it's like I told before, you can you can make like this in indigenous trips, you can know the culture, you can know the people, you can go up to the Altiplano, uh, up to 4,000 meters, I don't know, in Canada it's meters yeah, or feet, meters, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think at least two nights, I think best are three nights, mm. so that that you really get in, in inside this. Because sometimes during the day, maybe you cannot do so much because it's hot during the day. And if you want to make a, a tour during the night, then maybe you sleep longer during the next day, for example. I think three days is a good is good to start. Yes.
0: Excellent. And and you started talking about the South and the South is, I think, what a lot of people know uh, about Patagonia. A lot of people are, know about Chile but even in the south they typically know only the deep south do you maybe want to describe you know the variety and the size of southern chile uh, outside of just torres del PAINE which is obviously you know very very well known internationally
1: yes torres del PAINE i think it's the the most famous national park but there are there are so many other points uh, um, and trips you can do here in in the south of chile um for example, where I live in Villarica, there's it, this is the region of uh, Araucania, and it's really famous for this uh, volcano, Villarica. For example, where I live, I see every day out of the window this the most active volcano uh, in Latin America, Volcano Villarica. It's called. Um, for example, you go, you can, you can go up to the volcano and look inside the crater. If it's not so active like this, uh, at the moment you cannot go up. But here's the famous city of Pucon, for example. it's like twenty five kilometers from Villarica. Um, there you have a starting point to go to different national parks, for example Konggijillo Park Nacional de Villarica. also um only if you if you call up a map and you see how many national parks are in the south from this you can like plan a trip like a like, trip. A trip going more from the top of the south into the south of Patagonia if you are interested in only doing national parks for example um, like only two and a half more three hours a- away from from Villarica is the city of Valdivia which is really famous for the European people that come here like some hundred years ago and also many German people um. You you have the Carretera Austral that is going more down to the south. This is like the famous route if you want to go by car or with a motorhome. Um, there are like eighteen national parks in this only in this Carretera Austral that you can visit, beside of the uh, national park Torres del Paine. So, um, I think for everybody that wants to do something is beside the park Torres del Paine another thing to to see yeah for example the the rainforest in near valdivia it's the coast forest with some of the oldest trees that exist in latin america and yes, it's they are called yeah up to 2000 years old you can see maybe the oldest tree in the world there's like a little point of discussion which is the oldest tree in the world but here also in the south is the tree that is like some people say like 5000 years old yeah so um, it, sometimes it's really difficult because you get inside the team the the topic. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to to travel here in Chile? Because there's so many things to see, and I recommend always to people: don't start looking at Torres del Paine. Maybe for the money to go inside Torres del Paine, which which ov- obviously will be a nice experience. You can see five other things or five other places in in Chile. Yeah,
0: I love that advice. Uh, when I did Torres del Paine. It was the days where you just showed up with your tent and pitched your tent kind of wherever you... There were still, I think, uh, uh, mountain huts and there was a couple of hotels. But in my case, like I paid $5 a day to set up my tent and I did the O and it was, you know, there was kind of eight or nine people I was that was doing it at the same time. Um, but now it's, you know, it's beautiful. It's stunning. But as you said, it's becoming more expensive. And so if you look at Torres del Paine and then you look at other national parks nearby in in the southern part of Chile, what do you, as someone who's been to a lot of them, what's the difference? You know, are these other parks just as stunning? Do they have the same quality of beauty as Torres del Paine? And, you know, for for a tourist, are they losing anything by not going to Torres del Paine?
1: I can answer the question with with
0: yes you will not lose nothing if you don't
1: visit Torres del Paine because there are so many national parks uh, that are that has every national park has a unique nature unique ecosystem for example um, it's unique like animal n- in nature in in every park you can see Maybe if you go more to the south of Torres you can more, you can see fjords, you can see whales, for example, that you don't have in Torres Yeah, I mean um, so I I always I always tell people look further down and beside of this Torstulpina because you you can make so many different things here and see so many different places. It, if you want to see whales or dolphins or penguins. You can go into the Antarctic uh, more to the south um, you can go in, in in national parks with many fjords uh, you can go to the region of Aizen, for example, where you can visit m- even different places and things there yeah so I don't and I cannot really answer the question why Torres del Pine is so famous for people I think I think it's like the magnet that brings people to Chile like a starting point for many Chile. Yeah, we go to Chile Torres del Paine. It's like when you when you when you start to search in Google what are the 10 best places to do in Chile, Torres del Paine is always in inside the list, yeah. So maybe it's like uh, the strong organic results that brings people to Torres del Paine. I will. I, I don't want to say that you don't have it. you shouldn't go to Torres del Paine. You definitely should see it but
0: maybe, maybe another trip, another journey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's there's a, I notice it here in Canada. You know, in the in the national parks here, I, I've noticed it in in Europe in the Alps. But there's almost like brands of adventure destinations, and we all get them in our head. We see you know articles and newspapers or things on social media, and everyone wants to do to do the same thing. And I, I remember an article I read. Uh, there's Horseshoe Bend down in the Grand Canyon. And they went from 10,000 visitors a year, uh, kind of think it was 2015 or 2014, to just before the pandemic, they'd have 20,000 visitors in a day. And you just think, here's a place that you could go and like the busiest day would be three or 400 people. All of a sudden the busiest day is 20,000 people. And uh, these places, they're popular for a reason. Torres del Paine is stunningly beautiful. It's, you know, it's one of the places you go, you're not gonna have a bad time, it's beautiful. Um, but what I think uh, I'm realizing, I think a lot of people are, as you said, if you go nearby, it's really beautiful there as well. Now you may not find the the towers that uh, Torres del Paine is is famous for. You know that view with the lake beneath. You know that's really spectacular. Um, but you're still going to find you know beautiful, beautiful places. It's maybe maybe for people who never visited Chile before, it it would be a nice
1: task to do to really ask ask themselves what what you want to see like make a make a list maybe maybe you want to see a special animal there are many people who want to see whales of course it holds pain and it's not the, the the sea you have to go to another national park um, or do you want to see the antarctic do you want to see fjords with with glaciers for example or well, many people don't want to go to the south because maybe there will be rain. So when you come from the north or from Europe, maybe people want to have sun. So maybe you shouldn't go to the south. Yeah, it's like making a making a a
0: big list and like filter and sort out what you don't want to have. <laughs> One thing that's really interesting that you talked about is the Carretera Austral, which is the uh, the road that kind of goes all the way down into southern Chile, it goes through a lot of, you know, really beautiful locations. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the ability to do like a driving tour and kind of see a lot of different variety. You know, a lot of people go to Torres del Paine, they fly in, they get a bus, they see that, that little part, they see a lot of it. But another option is you kind of, you know, have a bit more control, you're driving, you're driving in Chile's, um, you know, very you know very say you know very similar to Europe that it's not like you know something crazy but uh, uh how have you seen people do driving tours and exploring the south i think it's one of the it could be one of the the nicest
1: experiences to do here in chile to drive by your own rent a car or maybe rent a motorhome because like you you mentioned it it's a really safe country to to go it's like the the traffic rules are the same like in europe for example um with with your normal um driver's license you can go here 90 days and drive whatever car you want and um i think there are some companies specialized in this also to 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 give you a motorhome and that really experience the country the Carretera austral is it's like i i'm not sure if it's like one street or it's like sometimes it's separated and you have to go like um Take a little boat or to to go further the street down, but it's like one thousand kilometers long. To to see like seventeen national parks on the road, um, you can go and see Puerto for example, a city on the top of the more south southeast um, places in 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 Chile. You will go through the the region of ISN, that is really, really, really nice. Um, So in this 1200 kilometers on the street, you can see so many places. Um, Like I said, there are like 17 national parks on the way. So what do you want to do? Do you want to see Torres del Paine or 17 different national parks? You can have it also. So I I really recommend it to to do self drive tours here. Um, maybe not all not only in the south. The Carretera Austral is super famous for doing this, um, but also in the north. Rent a car in the north and camp in the desert. What what could be an, 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 a nicer experience to have like millions of stars over your head um, and silent silence. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now now you've mentioned these 17 parks, you know, tourism and services are really well developed in Torres del Paine. You know, it's like, you know, it's like kind of like going to the Alps, you have nice hotels, you have huts, you have camp, campsites, kind of everything you need. In other national parks, are you still going to be able to find, you know, restaurants and uh, hotels or guest houses to stay in? Or do you have to, you know, you mentioned renting a van, do you have to rent a van? Or can you still, you know, for people that don't want to drive a a camper van around. I've done it once. It's it's tough here in Canada. I couldn't imagine it on windy roads in Chile. But but do you have to have a camper van, or can you do it in a car and hotels and restaurants?
1: Yes, you can do it in the in a car and rent the hotels or hostels, for example, um, in, that are on the way. There are most national parks are like more or less near of little cities or of of little towns in the south. Um, so. I recommend to plan the trip and to book the the hotels in advance. Um, there are some, some I don't know exactly with what, what national park, um, uh, is it? But there are some national parks really in the south of Chile, um, where the land gets like, I don't know if you know the the map, it gets like really scattered. So there there are no more. There is no autopista, no no uh, highway <laughs> down to the south. There are only like um. Earthways with stones so you need a good car four by four or a jeep would be recommended if you go really down to the south but in every region in every little town in every little village is a hostel or hotel that you can also
0: find in booking uh excellent and and so one place we haven't talked about is easter island and uh that's something i know here in canada it's a place that's really kind of mythical that Again and again, I talk to people and, and they want to go to Easter Island as part of their trip to Chile. Um, but for me, it's always surprising. It's really far away. It's like a, over a five-hour flight from Santiago to Easter Island. Um, as someone who's in Chile, you know, what do you think about, is it worth the effort and the cost to, to get to Easter Island? Is it, is it something that is as powerful as, you know, the mountains and national parks in the south or the desert in the north? I personally never visited Easter Island. That is like a white spot in my (laughs) Chilean
1: travel history. So I cannot tell you from my personal experience, but what I heard of people that going there, they they come uh, full of, of emotional experience because it's such a strange place also. If you only look to the history of Easter Island and the culture that like is has extinct itself if you want to if we want to see it like this because they cut off all the trees and I, at least it's one theory that they didn't had enough food to to for themselves so they had to let, leave the country or the, the island to other places and really it's far out in the in in the sea um you go like 5 hours it's like 3000 kilometers um outside of the the Chilean country um but it's it it's like people tell it's it's stunning the this big figures of stone they made that are there uh, some buried some not buried also the you can feel the culture even if it like never don't it's exist anymore like before but it's a really nice place for going um diving for example because the the, the sea is like crystal clear with uh Coral reefs and with many fishes and and other animals that you could, that you can see there, and because of the geography, it has like native animals. For example, like some turtles and I don't know. So what what I hear from other people is you you that it's an an stunning experience, of course, yeah.
0: And I guess the last aspect is um, I'm really interested. Uh, I read a book recently by Rick Ridgway, who is friends or, or is friends with Yvonne Chouinard and uh, and Douglas Tompkins. And it talks a lot about the work of Douglas Tompkins. He was the founder of the North Face and Esprit in buying up, you know, millions, I think, of acres of of land, you know, former estancias for sheep farming. And essentially creating a bunch of wild places that have been gifted back to the Chilean government as national parks. And I know, you know, it feels like a decade ago, there was a lot of concern about what was going on here. This American businessman had and, and his wife, I think, had all this land. But now that it's, you know, these wild places have been preserved as national parks. What's the view from inside Chile in terms of, you know, what's transpired?
1: Well, Douglas Thomas Tom Tompkins is famous for the brand he he made, and he was a famous personality here in Chile because of, um, of of his power to buy so many hectares of land. I think it's like four hundred thousand of hectares that the 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 national park uh, consists has today. So, um, there are no no critics beside beca- towards the, this person towards the idea of the foundation, for example. Um, you have to understand a little bit like how this things works. Also in Chile, there are many people who who buy land to try to preserve it, because some people say that the state, the government, has not the power to do this and not the the financial the financial power to to preserve the nature. Because of this, there are many people in the past that tried to buy uh, countries or. Um, a country in the south to preserve it, and this was exactly exactly the, the idea of uh, Douglas Tompkins, and his wife is is now the the manager of all this uh, of this park of this national park, and it's officially accepted by the government that you cannot change the status anymore. So all the land that they have inside this association, this or uh, the Tompkins Conservation, I uh, I like this is called the the foundation that will stay there uh, you can go there to all the national parks that are connected to this foundation to visit it so it's a, it's it's like a, one of the biggest nature conservation projects here in Chile and it's a really nice
0: project and and I know for me reading Rick uh, Riordan's book it just really brought all this you know these places I'd never gone to in Chile it really brought them to life for their ruggedness and their beauty and you know even though You know, you can't see it just reading about all these incredible places. It really ignited in me a passion to I want to go and like explore this part of Chile because I was probably like most tourists and go to Santiago, go to Torres del Paine, you know, do those. And um, yeah, it, it just seems like this incredible gift. You know, Chileans have just all this beautiful places to go. We didn't even talk about the fjords. Or we didn't even talk about, you know, the Pacific coast. And, you know, we talk kind of like the, the mountains and the high places, but there's just so much to see in Chile. Exactly. Yes, there are so, so much things to see here. And
1: like I said in the beginning, what it makes Chile so special is that the population is so little here. Yeah, like this 18 million people that live in this really big and long country um so when you travel here often you you don't see people you see the countryside um, and especially if you go to other national parks or you you look to this Tompkins reservation or the Puma and Douglas Tompkins National Park this is the the official name Th- there are not so many people inside like in Torres del Paine yeah so you can go there and you can have a, like a really nice time traveling alone if you want and being alone with yourself, and this is something like that I never experienced in other countries in the world. So, um, I think for 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 me, my personal view is is this what makes Chile so special that they are so, so that the countryside is so big and so immersive, if you want it like this. And you sometimes you don't see people if you go really inside the national park.
0: There's something special, even you know, going on a trekking tour where you know, you only see a couple people each day, that gives you a lot of time with, you know, with your own thoughts, if you're going on your own, or with, you know, the people you're with, you can have really deep conversations with your friends or your family members that you're on these trips with, which ultimately, these trips are about, you know, self growth, and also building relationships and having conversations with people you care about. Um, This has been really great, Sebastian, having you on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to share all your expertise about Chile. I'm conscious we there's so much we didn't talk about. And that's just a testament to how much diversity there is in Chile. Thank you, Richard, for
1: for inviting me to this nice podcast. And it's really like this, like you said it. Um, there are so many possibilities here in Chile. Um, you can have so many nice experiences and meet so many nice people also. Um, so
0: I invite everybody to to come here. And so with that, I'm going to put some links to uh, some of the places we talked about in the show notes. Uh, I, I know when you see the photos, you start to realize what's uh, what's there, uh, and it really is. You know, Chile is a really special place. Um, with that, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Ten Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the Ten Adventures podcast on Amazon music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures.